Hello and welcome to the Shrapnel Podcast. Myself, Sam McElveen, and my co-host, Gareth Mulvena. Tonight, we're joined by our colleague from the Tortoiseshek, Tony. Tony Groves, you've seen him run about Dublin, either half-naked or, yeah, in another or form, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, thank you for joining listen, us. Listen, lads, thanks so much for the invitation, guys. Um, this is really a great project I've been excited to be involved with for quite some time. We've been working on it in the background, and we've had, we've had some bumps. Let's, let's, let's be honest about it, Gareth, uh, Sam. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we're, we're, yeah, there's, there, there's still the remnants of all sorts of uh, uh, ailments that are, have come between the three of us. <laughs> but we're here now, um, and I think, I think I'm excited about this because... The idea, uh, the idea behind the podcast, when when you when Sam initially approached me about it, was something that I thought that's actually something. I, not only do I think is a great idea, it's something I'd like to be, you know, uh, helping along the way. But if you wouldn't mind, lads, just maybe maybe Gareth first, if you want to give the idea, what is the idea of the Shrapnel Podcast? What do you what do you hope to achieve from it? Um, thanks, Tony. I, I suppose shrapnel covers a lot of a lot of things. Um, initially, you know, it it came from myself and Sam. You know, we would go on long walks on a Saturday morning, talk about the situation in Northern Ireland, particularly, obviously, the situation within loyalism and unionism. Um, but we also talk about mental health and and a lot of other issues that that you know blokes like us sort of experience. Um, so it's not just about politics, but we sort of had an idea that we wanted maybe to record some of these conversations for posterity, to bring other people into the conversation, and to see about creating a vessel, basically, to get alternative viewpoints out there that aren't often heard in the mainstream media. And I think that is something, as somebody who studies loyalism and unionism, Sam, as a loyalist, I think we both agree that there are voices that aren't often heard. And that doesn't just you know, cover loyalists and unionists. It has to cover people who have been affected by the, the politics of loyalism and unionism. So we want to have a three-dimensional view view of, of, of what's going on here in the past, present, and potentially the future as well. Yeah, I think, um, see, when you say something like those conversations you guys were having as you go along, like... Uh, I've only known the, the, the pair of you now for a couple of years and we've really, you know, de- developed this relationship online and we talked to people over Zoom and we were in this bubble in the pandemic. And of course, my, you know, understanding of, of, of these communities before, before that ha- beforehand could have been shaped by, I'm going to say the firebrands. You know what I mean? The the personalities that that are like maybe give good TV or give good radio or whatever it is, but they don't give good voice. They don't give good voice to those communities. And Sam, that was one of the things when we started talking. It wasn't that someone said to me, Tony, you have to talk to this fellow Sam McElwain. He's uh he's this um you know, he's, he, oh, he's going to be this goldmine of this, that, and the other. They just said, he's actually a really sound loyalist unionist guy from a, from a world-class background who who talks for his community. And was that the kind of thing that you felt, actually, first of all, I'm going to take a little bit of the, Did you think you'd be doing this after we, after we had these conversations? And then what, why did you feel, actually, this is something I want to pursue then? The... The first time I appeared on, on the tour to check, I, I thought to myself, God, oh, God, they'll never have me back. Who the hell wants to listen to me? Um, the second time, it was after, the, I think, the riots in the shankle. Um, and I thought, they, they're looking at a reaction. They're looking looking from somebody who, who maybe has a bit of insight. And then it developed. Um, Gareth had a podcast background. Um, I, I was 
privilege to be a part of a small part of it at the end. Um, and the conversations that we had on, on those walks, it was there was a lot of frustration that came out of it that people weren't being heard as should be heard. Um, we again, you're saying there there are certain people who get a lot of our time. Um, but there are a lot more people who are silent and who just get on with their daily business. And and we wanted to give a voice to those people. Um, we also wanted to give a voice to people who come from different backgrounds, but have had to have an interaction with loyalism for one reason or another. Um, not all, not always a bad interaction, um, but we wanted to make sure that what we give was a balanced view and that we weren't going to shy away from from the more uncomfortable conversations as as one of the interviews coming up was extremely uncomfortable for the pair of us. Um, Gareth will tell you, I was still quite sort of moved and shocked by that conversation hours after we had finished. Um, and my wife was sort of half concerned that uh, I wasn't in a good place. And it wasn't that I wasn't in a good place. It, it just took a lot to process. Um, and I think that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to talk to people who work for it, work against it, work within it. Um, and just getting getting back to the, the tortoise shack, I found that that vehicle brought me in, into connection with some people in, in the South who I thought wouldn't listen to the likes of me, who wouldn't listen to the voice of the community that I came from. Um, and I have to say that there's been quite a few have kept in touch um, via social media uh, who I've met when I've been down in Dublin and, and who now sort of... I wouldn't say regularly keep in touch, but I, I hear from them at least once a month, maybe every other week. Uh, and mm. that's that's uh, eye-opening that people from vastly different backgrounds um, can have a lent interaction. Yeah, but I think both of you do a disservice to those conversations that you have about the, your the community, the uh, the community that you've spent so long uh, studying, Gareth, for your for your work as well as anything else. But and the community that that, that raised you, Sam, because. You know, we, what we have found, and I think maybe, we, you know, the, these conversations will bring it to the fore, is that despite, and this awful trauma that, that's discussed in some of these conversations, there are, like, let's tell the truth, there's, like, we, we, while we, while we were, before we were recording this, I was talking to people in Gaza, and we were talking about the situation of, I said to Sam, I was telling them, one of the people I, I know from there was almost feeling guilty that they weren't in Gaza at the moment. And, you know, and only people from a conflict zone can probably recognize that kind of that 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 internal guilt because i can't but i i kind of try to understand it through that that prism but you guys are having those conversations but you're also much more concerned about not much more concerned but also able to talk about well once how do we deal with this and it's an interesting question because the idea for me when you guys say shrapnel gareth is uh is fragments as well it's pieces, and um, I don't know if you if I if, have I ever told you about Lynn Rowan's uh, broken biscuits uh, metaphor. She, no, so no. she talks about trauma as a, you look at a you look at a, a, a packet of biscuits and you open it and the, and the you know the one at the top or whatever it might be broken, but it tastes just as good when you dunk it into tea, you know. But but you might want to skip to the second one. But we're but. Most of us, if we get to our age, lads, we're pretty broken biscuits, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of, you know, and you can kind of see that. And some of the people that you're, you're talking to, they are in, the, in, that, in that category. But you also, but that doesn't invalidate any of their experiences. So, Gareth, for, for why, what attracts you to, to, to those, those stories? And why do you think now maybe there's, there's more people willing to listen to that now? Yeah, it's interesting when you use the, the broken biscuits analogy because 
having researched this topic for a number of years in relation to the conflict, a lot of those broken biscuits are people who actually carry out violence. And that's very uncomfortable for people to, to hear. Um, myself and Sam have talked about this endlessly. Um, you have a large constituency of guys, and I think it's interesting on the back of you know Michelle O'Neill's comments about there being no alternative to the armed struggle. You know, I suppose if you flip that, and I made this point in 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 the Tartan book when when Jerry Adams sort of made the point that the IRA were off the people and for the people, and I was making the point that if you flip that, and it's the same with Michelle O'Neill. That there are people on the other side of the wall who would feel exactly the same about the UVF and the UDA. Now, because I don't come from that either of those constituencies really in terms of, of supporting um, paramilitaries, it's I, I can see how people, I can almost empathise with how people do become involved in violence no matter where they were raised. Now, the, 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 the problem is, we talk about shrapnel and the fragments of the past in the present and, and the harm that that can do. A lot of the harm has been done to people who've carried out violence, but and I've spent a lot of time having those conversations, but I think what people will find with this podcast is, okay, we'll have those conversations, but also it's important to talk to people who were affected by the violence. Now, what, what, what you'll find, the conversation you alluded to there, when, when you're on Twitter, you have a lot of binary opinions about, about what went on here. People like to say this was wrong, that was right, this was wrong. What you'll find is somebody who who suffered potentially, you know, one of the most horrific ways you could suffer during during a conflict, um, but but has still come out the other side with with issues obviously, but with very little bitterness toward the constituency which were responsible for the violence which affected their life. So I think if we shift people toward that way of thinking. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily an easy thing. There are people who who, are, um, who won't be shifted in their in their um, view of, of, of society. But if, if, if somebody can listen to that conversation and realise it's not all black and white and, you know, we'll have to sort of look at the nuances, look at the shrapnel, how, how it's spread out and affected people, how it affects the conversations that go on off Twitter, I think they're the most important conversations because when I look at Twitter now, it's it you, you very rarely have a good debate or discussion with somebody. You very rarely come away thinking, I feel better for that. I feel like I've learned something. Whereas I think what, what you guys are doing with the echo chamber and, and that sort of medium of the what I'd call the alternative media, um, I think what we're trying to do is gear the conversation that way and look at these broken biscuits and sometimes hold up a mirror to society and say, look, this is what's the uncomfortable reality. It can be people who've carried out horrible, atrocious mm. acts of violence, but it's also people who've been affected by it. It's also people, uh, I've taught Sam about this. Um, I've had people approach me whose fathers were in jail, um, n- never knowing why their fathers were in jail and wanting me to find out why. So, you really take on a lot of different roles when you're having these conversations, whether it be academic researcher, social worker, counsellor, um, none of which I'm qualified for, and, uh, hmm. and Sam isn't either. But I think they're important conversations to have, so that's what we want to continue to do with Shrapnel over the years ahead, hopefully. Um, Sam, just on the, the, the 
You said about, you know, needing to talk to people within the community, hear those voices from the community, but you also alluded to the fact that the people who are impacted by acts within, within the community, and that has been something that I think that you've been personally very good at uh, in, in your communication style of actually showing that we you can build that. But it, through this podcast now, is it as important to you to, to have that, you know, to, to have that that other side, I hate to use that side business because that's what we're, but this is the truth of this. When you, you know, Garrett, you're not wrong. We can go on Twitter and becomes polarized. You know, I could, I'll, I could put a screenshot up with the three of us and someone's going to reply to me and say, why didn't you do X, Y, and Z or something? So, you know, but I, anyway, I wave that on, but it, it's important as well, Sam, that, you, that, that you we're able to have that conversation uh, and expand it beyond just those, um, you know, the, the, the loyalist unionist community it has to be for the people impacted by the acts of this as well and i think i think some of the conversations people are going to hear should should actually see that that's actually the that's in that's in the workings of this podcast yeah i uh, don't, don't get me wrong i find it very uncomfortable sometimes as gary said turning that mirror on myself and on my community but it's taken a long time to get to the point where i can be big enough to say we didn't come into this lily white. We didn't come into this um, on any moral high ground as a community. There was a lot of atrocities and they weren't all from one side. But I need people to recognise that we all need to be in that stage because we've got to admit that the, f- the first stage of any sort of therapy is you've got to admit you have a problem and then you can move on. And I think that's what we need as, as a people. We need to admit this is what happened. This is what we did to other the other human beings. And this is where we need to draw a line and start looking at how we never go back to that. And I think, but I think that's that's to do with most conflict. Um, I I don't think. I mean, Hollywood for years as young lads showed us movies where we went in and we destroyed this and we destroyed that. And we we were the good guys. There's a good book that I read and, and it was about it was taken on D Day. Uh, and it was taken from the German perspective. The, this guy went to Germany after the war, found it hard to find people who would talk with dead, and found a lot of soldiers willing to talk about the invasion of, of, of Normandy. And what those guys suffered, as a human being, as, a, as an empathetic human being, you start to see it that it wasn't the longest day movie, it wasn't all guts and glory. There, was, there were humans on the other side who didn't want to be there, who didn't want to involve in conflict, and who were... Uh, brutally killed you know in 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 conflict and and i know that happened to both sides and neither side committed it northern ireland has been that way we have been that way for too many decades now um and as gareth said we the people that we talk to who are traumatized um see this is the thing you start talking about victims and you start getting into this whole hierarchy and you start Mm. you start muddying the waters um is the guy who carried out the attack the victim is his family a victim um, and to a certain extent, sometimes, yes, because sometimes they haven't entered that situation willingly um, and certainly not the family. Um, we, we, As Gareth said, we, we've got people who approach us and want to know what their va- father was involved in. It's been kept from them. That's that's traumatic for them. There's this massive secret that they're carrying about. Um, it, it becomes traumatic to them. And we are now starting to see second and third generation trauma in working class areas. Um, from families who, whose father was, was locked up, so the, the young lad didn't have a father figure. Uh, came from a broken home. Whatever way you want to word this. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, and but, that but, carries but, on. But, Sam, 
And when you and again, trauma can be intergenerational and regularly is, unfortunately. And uh, you know, there's all this awful, you know, the, the, these, there's all these awful old sayings, but there's always a little bit of wisdom in them. You know, the sins of the father, play, you know, all of these things. But when you think about it in 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 those terms, I mean. You can go and watch the the Miami Show Band um, Massacre on Netflix, and you can see Stephen Travers sit down, and, and it goes back to one of the points that that Gareth made about letting go of that bitterness as someone who you know who was who was shot, but also meeting with one of the people who was involved and thinking and feeling for himself that these people are also, and I mean these people as in the people who he had maybe painted this image of you know how how what had happened how it was treated how it was black and white and then you know he's he has come through a journey himself Stephen himself and this is the case for so many people and you know that's just probably one of the most popular well known cases but there's but this is this could be someone who has had you know has has had as a cousin of someone who was involved in something and then made made a, a bad decision or was influenced into something and we see how that has 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 inhibited it can i can i just though if we go to the the conversations i some of it's also going to be qu- quite you know i'm going to say uh, eye opening in terms of because uh, we keep seeing we have these conversations where people say particularly from from around my way they'll go oh culture what do they mean by culture do they mean you know uh, 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 no but i think it's i think because i always think you know, culture is fluid anyway. It's not fixed. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, we don't do, we're not all druids on this island anymore. That's, that's just not what we do as much. But there's still some, there's still some dru- maybe, dru- maybe we should be. Maybe we should <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> but this is, but my point being though, so the cultural aspects of that, are you, are you, are you looking forward to some of the reactions to, to, to people listening to how, um, because there is a lot of, there is a lot of, pantomime about some of the about and it, again and I'm going to use that awful phrase it can be on both sides you know or they're they uh, do they do this and they do that you can't have a GAA pitch here you get you 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 let's let's knock down your bonfires but are you, what do you think about the, the the cultural aspect of this because I think it's just not it's not as important as the personal stories but it is actually an educational piece yeah well I think I think we wanted to give people a flavour of the community as well. It's not. It's not. It's not all about the history. It's not all about the troubles. It's. It's also an opportunity for for me as a loyalist uh, to get people on to talk about my community, give their viewpoint, give their lived experiences, and give their beliefs. And hopefully, we can start pulling away at this facade that some people have put up of what loyalism is. That we're not all sort of DM boot wearing. Um, weightlifting, uh, porn-watching thugs that deal drugs at the weekend. Um, there, there are some of us who are actually quite okay. We, we hold down nine-to-five jobs and we don't wear DM boots. Um, we want to we want to be able to show people that loyalism itself can stand apart from unionism. Uh, it, it can be, look at it as a subculture or, or a, a branch off it, whatever way, but we want to be able to be able to give those people a voice because for years we we're always saying that we never get an opportunity. They get everything. They're all in the news. We get nothing. Well, now me and Gareth are calling that bluff. And, that, and that's basically what this is. We are calling the bluff. We're, we're saying to people, okay, have have you got what it takes to come here and tell us? A lot of people want to tell us stuff and don't want to come on there. And that, that's fine. We'll, we'll work some way of getting that story out. But for those guys who are for, forever on Twitter behind their avatars and their false names going, you should be doing this. They do that. Come and talk to us. Come and tell us why. Mm. Come and let us explain what we are. 
without having to attack the other side. Again, we're using the other side. And without having to attack anybody else, let's explain what we are and where we're from. Let's explain that we're, we are more than what that one-dimensional character that people put out there. And the caricatures that the media up here constantly put out of what a loyalist is, um, we, we are so much more than that, and we need to show people that. Yeah, I, I, I think that Gareth over years... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, it's, I think it's interesting what Sam says there, because, you know, one of the things... I mean, I remember talking to a good friend of myself and Sam's, um, Robert Niblock, Bino Niblock, who who was a former paramilitary prisoner who who, who is now a playwright. Um, and he talked about this idea that, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy among young young loyalists were they're constantly told that they're trash, that they're shit, you know, this, that and the other. And as he he's talking as a 60-odd-year-old man. He said, well, when does it come to the stage where you say, well, I'm going to prove these people wrong? And it, for me, the, the you, you see it on Twitter and you see it on, on, on social media where people say, Republicans are making films, you know, the film about Bally Murphy, the Miami show band, um, you know, d- different things about legacy, this and the other. Um, you know, why are Republicans getting everything? Why, why, why do we get nothing? It's because in my experience, and myself and Sam have talked about this, and it comes back to the idea of calling someone's bluff. People complain about their stories not being heard. But then they're very reticent to actually come forward and tell their stories. Now, for me, the big thing that stands out as, as almost shameful in a way is the mural in the Lower Shankill um, down near um, Agnes Street. The one about the 30 years of blood sh- provisional IRA bloodshed, provisional Sinn Féin bloodshed. Where's the respect, equality, um, you know, where, where, where are inquiries? Well, as far as I know, nobody's actually asked for these inquiries into the four-step, the Balmoral, nobody's actually said, well, we want to know who, who was responsible. We want to know the individuals who did this. We want to know if there was any um, collusion with the Irish government or whatever. It's it, it looks good on a gable wall. The difference is in Republican communities, and I think it goes back to that idea, I alluded to it last night, the idea of education and having to sort of mm. pull yourself up a wee bit and, and con- try and control the narrative. Loyalists have never been as adept at that, and I think they're a couple of generations behind. And it would give me a lot of satisfaction to see loyalists catch up because it would balance out the narrative for future historians because then there'd be more balance. And if people feel that history is being rewritten, the only way to sort of balance that up is tell history from your perspective, challenge yeah. the narrative. Get, be active. Don't don't just say we don't want GAA pitch in East Belfast. We don't want this. We don't want that. This is what we do want. And, and it's easy for me to say that as somebody not from the loyalist community, but it, but as somebody who is empathetic to the community that I have spent time researching, the friends I have made in that community, I, I just want to see people think, well, I could make that film. I could grab that narrative. I could, you know do this, that, and the other. You see so many enterprises start off and there's a lot of enthusiasm for them and then it just sort of uh, fritters away and, and, and the story disappears. And I, I'd like to think that at least if me and Sam can do one thing is that it galvanizes loyalists to take control of their own narrative and stop complaining about Republicans getting everything because the only way to get things is to do it yourself. Yeah, and if we do a bad job, they come along and do a better job behind us. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't care. They can criticize us, but they come and do their own stuff. A hundred percent, guys. I, I often make the joke that um, 
that when we started the echo chamber that we were kind of you know like it was there wasn't too many podcasts at the time doing you know it was it was i wouldn't say it's a new medium but it was certainly it was certainly much spot more sparse and less corporate than it is than it is now but at the same time what we had the the most fun we had was we looked around and we went there are all these really good people and why do i only have to why do we only hear from the same four voices on a certain topic say it was you know environmentalism and or or, or history in ireland we it was the history of everything by dermot ferreter and no offense to dermot ferreter but here we go again so so we wanted other people to talk to and and what it meant was was that 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 it it gave some of those people who we then spoke to the confidence to go on and tell their stories again tell them better actually go and you know they you know the first time i speak to someone they may they may be a bit more reticent then they might actually go on and tell it again and, and open up and, and and all of a sudden develop it and then and then it becomes that those things so some of these conversations that you are having and sh- and probably will have going forward um that's just I would put it to you as lads that's the that's just the first seed it's not the it's not the uh doesn't we haven't even sprung a root yet you know what I mean it's just the seed going in the ground at this stage can I ask you um Sam one last thing in in terms of the the your response from people when when you kind of did it you've alluded to the fact that it's been quite well well received are you looking forward to people actually when it goes out first now oh um, stage nerves will come in. Um, imposter syndrome that'll be top of the list. Who the hell am I and why am I doing this? Um, there, there will be. You know what? None of the stuff that we have covered is is challengeable because of somebody's lived experience, and that's how we word it to them. People will have a different opinion of what happened at a particular point or over a, a, a series of topics. That is fine. But this person is talking to us from their personal lived experience. So that's how we are approaching those people who are willing to come on. There is no, we're not going out with any ulterior motive. We're not going out to promote one side or the other. And we're not certainly going out to, to pull the mat from under somebody while they're on air. Um, and we've had to have some conversations with people, not not to coach them to come on, but just to reassure them that this isn't, this isn't just another one of those um, podcasts where we're going to go on and rant and rave and we're looking at one particular sort of congregation that we're looking to talk to. That This is going to go hopefully far and wide um, and we're going to let people who normally don't hear from from this perspective hear a lot more about us. Um, I think I think that's what I think that's what we're doing um, and I think Gareth has been very good in that he asks a lot of the sensible questions. <laughs> I'll put that in there. He, he's, he seems to be the guy that in this this geo that and he brings, is... Um, Gareth, Gareth brings his researcher's uh, hat as well and, 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 yeah. a, and a lot of experience when it comes to that. But but Gareth, when it comes to, when it comes to those, the, the nose for it, you know, and I mean that in the kind of way of doing it, you've, you've, you're, not, you're, not, you're not inexperienced, but are you, are you looking forward to kind of the, the, the idea now that maybe this is something that... You know, uh, you're you're looking for you. You want feedback on this, I, I'd imagine, Gareth. You want to hear from people, and you, the idea then that maybe after three or four, that person who you maybe had the awkward conversation who said, "I'm not really up for it now." Maybe if they've heard three or four, they'll go, "Actually, I've listened to the last two, and now now I feel ready to trust you guys and go with it." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's important, I think, to get a and it's it's important to get a broad range of perspectives. And again, it goes back to what I said originally. Although this is 
And again, people talk about odd couples. I suppose myself and Sam are a bit of an odd couple because of our we're of the same generation. Sam's slightly any older co- than me. A, 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 any any couple Sorry, with Sam in it is an odd. Any couple with Sam in it is an, ad, an odd couple. <laughs> yeah, but it's that, it's, that whole, it's, a, it's that whole idea, you know, that myself and Sam come from very different backgrounds. We, we come from the same city, um, but we've got a lot in common. We're we're we're, we're good friends, but hopefully, at least on, on the surface, anyway, it shows how far Northern Ireland has come as a society. That myself and Sam can be friends. And that we can have these intimate conversations in private, that then we can extend into the public sphere, um, that and, and bring other people into them. Um Yeah, I mean you you want feedback, of course you do. Um but I think the important thing, and I'd say this to Sam, is don't it's it's like that whole thing, you know, when you do a piece for one of the newspapers or The Guardian or Irish Times. Now one of the advice pieces of advice I got very early on was don't read below the line. So yeah, you want feedback, but you, you don't want um, to end up taking the head staggers when you see a, a ream of negative screed about, about, that's personalised about the reason why. You, I mean, I had that in the past, you know, that, you know, people saying I had a fetish for loyalism, I had this, that and the other, you know, um, Stockholm Syndrome, just insults, basically. Um, now, thankfully, as the years have gone by and I've written a couple of books, um, people have realised that there's a genuine interest there and a, a desire, a historian's desire to... To provide more understanding, so I think that's what the podcast is is a vehicle for as well, is to try and provide more understanding and 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 listen to hopefully some interesting stories as well. But yeah, I mean, feedback is is a healthy thing. It can help. I, I mean, if it's I, good I, or bad, it helps you improve. I, I I think I phrased that badly. What I meant, what I meant was, you know, it's it, it's you want those people who you're you've been talking to now to feel that you know what this is this is something that I'd actually like to be involved in now it's not I wasn't sure just yet because I hadn't heard it now and I, I, I'm confident once they start to hear the conversations that that is going to be the case lads I'm confident that once they start to see it um, I'm looking forward to the launch I'm looking forward to coming out and I think it'll be um, well uh, it'll be it'll travel I think people will listen to it and it'll be well received and I'm, and I'm, I'm delighted I'm genuinely delighted that it's part of the Tortoise Shack uh, and I'm, I'm delighted that you gave us the, the first the first crack at, at helping you bring it to life so thank you for that both Sam and Gareth I really appreciate it well, thanks Tony oh, we, we are yeah we are so appreciative to have have the chance to get an audience that you guys have and the, because we, we could have launched the podcast and we could have had it Listen to in the Shankill and the Sandy Row and and Newton Ard Road. We we didn't want that. We we wanted we wanted everybody to have a chance to hear it and maybe understand it. Well, I hope it's listened to by all, by all those communities and amongst the, the listeners that, that that regularly listen. And folks, it will be there will be a Tortoise Shack feed. You'll find it on Apple. You'll find it on Spotify. You'll get it on your podcast addict. It's going to be everywhere once we have the RSS feed rolling. And when when if you're hearing this, uh, you'll be able to click and copy and paste the URL into your player and away from there. So look, I'm honestly I won't I won't delay you anymore, lads. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for this and uh, Shrapnel Podcast. I'm really looking forward to, to getting. Uh, I think I'll get plenty of uh, uh, feedback, at Gareth. Maybe, but I hope you guys get more and more of the the positive reinforcement. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there, shall we, folks? Yeah, we will indeed. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you. Lads.